Hi, and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Megan Del Borello, I am so excited to have you here on the podcast today. Likewise. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, my absolute pleasure. I want to hear all about you and your entrepreneurial journey. But let's start off with what it is that you do. What, what, what's, what are you doing these days? So I'm actually a marketer by trade, but my current business is Behind the Brands, right. which is a business platform that supports female entrepreneurs in Australia to build successful businesses. So we aim at women that want to grow their business and gain visibility and support them in their entire entrepreneurial journey. Wow. Oh, my God, I love everything that you're doing. And I know we got an introduction. I can't remember who it was from. Um, might have been Julia Ewart, the was. fabulous Julia Ewart, because you're over in Perth, isn't that right? I am in Perth. Yeah, great. Well, and she's told me great things about Behind the Brands, but I'm absolutely loving the sound of it. So why did you set it up? Well, I set it up a couple of years ago. And the main reason was when I had my daughter six years ago, and I was sort of in the corporate world and faced gender discrimination and decided when she was six weeks old, I'd start my own business. And that initial business was a marketing company. And because I right. had been managing director of an agency, I had the business experience and I quickly came to see that a lot of women didn't have the business experience. They had a great idea or, you know, they had a passion for something but had no idea how to run a business. And I also felt that a lot of the women we were seeing in the media weren't necessarily the ones that are my role models that are, you know, kicking goals in the business world so I wanted to showcase those women, but then I also wanted to offer support and give advice and share my knowledge to those women that were starting businesses or sort of in the growth stage of business about how to actually run a business. So it kind of just came around a bit organically from my other business I had. Oh, that's always, but that's the best kind of business when it just kind of happens easily. And I now, I guess I wasn't quite sure what behind the brands meant, but it is literally about the business part that's behind the brands. 100%. And it was initially showcasing the women behind the brands because you so often see overnight successes, but you don't see the 10 years <laughs> of slog behind that overnight success. So I actually wanted to hear about people's you know epic fails and challenges they had along the way not just all their successes oh my god for anyone who's listening they're going to go you two should be like sisters because that is almost exactly the words that come out of my mouth so was there a light bulb moment though was there something that happened at work or something that happened with your daughter where you went right that's it that's the final straw yeah look she was um a prem baby and so I spent a right. month in hospital and, you know, I had this big maternity plan and everything all set up and the chairman pretty much white anted me and told staff not to contact me. And when I kind of questioned him about it, um, you know, he went into this rant about how it was, you know, his words, his effing business. Um, and I had no say. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, he, yeah, he was a tyrant. And so I went in there to confront him and, you know, he hadn't seen me 
gosh, in probably two months from being in hospital and from having the baby. And his actual first words to me were, you're still fat. And, you know, just having a baby six weeks. Oh, my God. Yeah, I know, right? And so I turned around and I said, you know what? You're a (laughs) C-U-N-T. And I went and packed my (laughs) office and stormed out of there. And it was the best thing I have ever done. Oh, my God, that is the best story. I know when I had um, my first baby, I worked in an agency as well, and agencies are not friendly places for people that have babies. I think I was the first woman ever to have been pregnant in his business that had been running 30 years, and I was um, on the management team as well, and we spoke every day up until the day I took maternity leave, and he never spoke to me again. I came back after six weeks, and it was like I didn't exist. Amazing. Right, oh. so t- so tell me a little bit about your entrepreneurial journey and we've got lots of time. So let's go with when I left school, I probably didn't think I was going to be running behind the brand. So how did the journey unfold? No, I didn't. I wanted to be a lawyer all throughout high school. <laughs> um, and then, you know, I realised how much study was involved and thought <laughs> I'm going to go into marketing because it sounds pretty exciting. So I left school, studied marketing got a job as a receptionist at a a small agency because, you know, in those days people were willing to work their way up and not go straight into the big guts. So is this an ad agency or an ad agency or marketing agency? Um, It was a marketing agency. Okay. Yeah, and and so sort of, you know, worked my way up and then we got bought out by a larger agency and that's the agency I eventually became the managing director of. And, you know, I think for a good five years, I sort of didn't do much marketing. It was more the business side and I was getting, you know, a little bit, um, you know, a bit unsettled there. And my husband had been saying to me for years, just quit and start your own business, quit and start your own business. And and I I love your husband. Oh, (laughs) you know, he he claims everything, every one of my successes. He's like, that's me. Well, as long as he's there supporting you all the way, you can't go wrong, really. Oh, 100%. He, you know, our aim is for him to be the primary carer. That's his dream job. Um, right. And so we're working towards that. <laughs> so I... Sounds like a perfect uh, Yeah, match. I kind of like when, you know, all of that stuff happened after I had my baby, I thought this is the time to leave. And the number one reason I didn't before was financial reasons, which was stupid because I left on maternity leave and had no income coming in. Um, and yep. I started gloss marketing and I had a business partner who also used to work at the agency with me. She had a baby two and a half weeks prior to me and we right. started our business gloss and that I probably wrapped up officially six months ago and we grew it to be a really successful. So how, how long did you have it for then? Um, oh, no, your daughter's six, so, my daughter's so five, six, about five years? So about five years, yeah. And my business partner, Kat, she left the business probably about two and a half years into it. Right. That's a whole other story there. And Can I ask? Yeah, it was, it was one of those things that when we first started, we were kind of on the same level. We both just had babies, you know, trying to find our feet. And then it sort of quickly became apparent that we sort of had different values in in business and what we wanted to do and I was putting in more effort to grow this business um she had a a second baby and then it just came to that she didn't she realized she didn't want to be in business she wanted to focus on family which is entirely fine and so we parted ways so can I ask 
Yes. Can I ask a few nosy questions? Yeah, because go this for sort it. of thing happened to me very early on, my first business ever. And we had a contract, a partnership agreement with an exit clause. Yes. And it just, under the circumstances which were very, very tense, yep. it was so good to have it. Did you have something like that with her? We did. Yeah, we definitely did because it was getting super tense towards the end. And I think, yeah, you know, it's horrible. I was starting to resent her a bit. And she left with one client. That's the client she wanted to do. And then I retained the rest. And it's actually only probably four months ago we started talking again. Well, I'm glad you have because I think once the heat comes out of it and you get a bit of perspective, you do kind of go, that's okay. Although my partners in my first business have never spoken to me again, but I went overseas (laughs) for five years after that because I was like, get me out of here. But um, but I yeah. know how hard it is and it's so great. I mean, for any of the women listening, the importance of having that partnership agreement and a way out that you work out early on is is worth worth drawing attention to anyway. Oh, you know, it 100% is. And she was my best friend. We would speak every day and oh, right. see our families would go on holidays. And, and we needed that time apart as well to find our own feet and do our own things. And it's been great sort of reconnecting. With oh, her I'm as so well. glad and you have. I wouldn't change anything because you learn a lot of lessons and I definitely wouldn't get another business partner ever again. <laughs> I think I, you know, I'm too, um, <laughs> I'm too strong-willed. This is what I want to do. This is why I want to do it and I just go. Yeah, I have to say I agree with you. My learning from that was along the same lines. I did end up for a while in my PR agency having um, – a partner who we and we've stayed great friends but she was just extraordinary I thought because she really put up with my yeah I'm like you I'm like this is the way I want to do it and I reckon we should do it that way now yep that's exactly right so, so after, yeah, okay so you, you split the business and business you kept partner. going yes I did so you um, split, I kept the, split going up and you wanted it kind of it grew to you know a really successful business sort of you know um yeah, a really successful business. And I just, I felt burnt out sort of about 18 months ago with it. And I had some awful clients and terrible people that I let go. And I just realized I didn't like doing marketing for other businesses. I felt like I was an employee again. I liked teaching it. And I made the decision to start winding the business back and focus on behind the brands. And that was really massive for me because gloss marketing was what was bringing in the money. So um, how did you wind it down? Did you sell it or have you? did you literally close the doors? No, I started to let go of clients um, and I sort of parted ways with my whānau one probably six months ago as well. So I've just slowly wound that back and integrated some of the services uh, so, okay, into so let's talk behind, about the brands, behind the Brands, like the Marketing then. Incubator Program. Yeah. Yeah, so I do the marketing incubator programs in there, but I got rid of all of the clients and it was essentially like me going back into startup phase with behind the brands. Yeah, exactly. So did you have some cash to start it up firstly? And secondly, how did you start ramping it up from there? What was the intention, I guess? I did. And I think the benefit was having gloss marketing, the profits there, went into behind the brands and so I had money from that aspect and because it you know is 80% online and I have a marketing background 
I have been able to do, you know, all the marketing and promotions and everything myself as well. And I have some fantastic women that support me and ambassadors that, you know, are out there promoting it and, and doing their thing for it too. Well, that which is just wonderful because my next question was, have there been any women that helped you along the way? But talk to me about how they've helped you and what they've done that's helped you grow behind the brands. So I had, a couple of years ago, I started a peer-to-peer mentoring and that's my dog. <laughs> that's all right. Dogs are, dogs are allowed. It's okay. Okay. <laughs> He's a giant <laughs> dog. Um, a couple of years ago, I started a peer-to-peer mentoring group because I had a mentor for a year and I felt that, you know, that relationship, we kind of outgrew that. And I wanted to be around other like-minded women. So I started a peer-to-peer mentoring group and the women that were in that, we're still that group today and we catch up and they've become my biz besties. So we've all supported each other. We've kicked each other's butts. You know, we're not afraid to say how it is. And two of them actually form my quasi board. So we sit on each other, each other's quasi boards and we go through everything, financials and why didn't Sorry, you Sorry, what did you this? say? A, what? a quasi board. So what kind of a board? Yeah, so I set up, we set up a quasi board. So it's essentially... A quasi board. Yeah, you know, having a board in yeah, your business. but not but really. People in different um, areas of expertise. And we meet once a month and we go through everything like a a proper board meeting, all our financials and goals, and we really get stuck into the nitty-gritty and ask each other those questions. Why didn't you meet this goal? What happened here? Maybe your revenue goal's too high and and things like that. So they're always there for me. They're my sounding board. Um, Likewise, I'm theirs. And we tell each other the truth. There's none of this sugarcoating things that I see too often with women because they're afraid to be told the truth. You know, you want to be told the truth in business, otherwise you're going to fail. I 100% agree. I think it's really important. And I actually think it's one of the things that women, when they get in the hang of it, are actually really, really good at being honest. But we have a lot of uh, cues in our life that tell us to be nice and to be polite and to be dainty or whatever. And sometimes when I meet those women, it's like, come on, you don't really mean that. What do you really mean? Uh, but it's so important. So is it like an advisory board? Is it the same sort of thing? Yeah, it is. Yeah, it's like an advisory board. And how many of you are there? There's four of us that are on it and we rotate through each other's businesses. I see. So every fourth week they focus on yours. Is that yeah, sort of how we, it works? Yeah, we do. Um, we will meet and we'll go through all each other's businesses, but then we'll focus if someone's got a particular problem or something like that, then we'll focus right. on, on their business. And we chat all, you know, every second or third day anyway. Yeah, I'm sure. So tell me a little bit about Behind the Brands, what exactly it is, because I'm now getting a bit of an impression that there's a marketing course maybe, there's the peer-to-peer group. How, how does it all work and then what's your big hairy vision for it all? Yeah, so Behind the Brands, there's two aspects to it there's the website where we have a lot of articles and advice and we have features on female entrepreneurs in Australia that share and tell their stories and then we have a membership component so that is where they get access to on-demand content high quality content anything that ranges from finance and money marketing mindset sales there's an online hub they access that Um, we have 
goal setting workshops every month as part of the membership. We have CEO immersion days. We have, we do have events that they can come to for free as well. So it's giving them the education, the framework and the support that they need to gain visibility and grow their business. Um, we always say, you know, we're not, a, we're not a networking group. Networking is a byproduct. We'll have events that do that, but our focus is really giving these ambitious women what they need to grow their business. Oh my God. I absolutely love it. It's just brilliant. It's, um, yeah. Okay. And so that's, um, Australia wide. So that's one part of it. And then we include the mentoring in that as well. And then we obviously have some events that we hold for founders where they can connect and they're in person and online. Beautiful. Well, lucky you're not in Melbourne like me because then they'd only be online. <laughs> I know. We do have um, quite a few members in Ballarat and so touch wood, they've been able to still have their events. Yeah, very lucky, very lucky compared to those of us that aren't. For any, and so if anyone is wondering, this is uh, late July in, in Melbourne and we're very much in lockdown and Megan's over in Perth and very much not in lockdown, which is making me very jealous, but well, that's all right. I'll let's see <laughs> what happens with the whole Clive Palmer court case. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Okay, so talk to me about life and business and how you juggle both. Oh, I don't. It's <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, so I have a six-year-old and I have a five-month-old. And right. he was born in the pandemic and it was yes. you. He's a pandemic baby. So it was when people were hoarding toilet paper. I was in hospital having my baby and I had everything set up for the, you know, months I was taking off or, or you know, slowing down a little bit. And then COVID hit and I had to, you know, I had to be there. I had to show up for my members. I had to put more in. I had to change everything. So we're just kind of coming out of that cycle now. My daughter, they're back at school. They've been back at school for a whole term, which was great because having her home when it was locked down and the schools were closed and a baby and the business and my husband. Challenging. <laughs> it's just, I don't know how any parent managed that. Um, but, you know, I think the juggle, I've learned to be gentle on myself. Some weeks there's going to be no balance. Others, there might be more. And that's entirely okay. Like if I'm really hectic in business and my husband needs to have time off or the baby needs to go to nonna's more, then that's okay because I know the next week that it'll be totally different. So I think we just all have to do the best that we can. And I accept that I can only do so much while I have young children as much yeah. as I, you know, want to take over the world. Um, yeah. some, I ask someone, you know, I just can't get my head around, like, how does this work with kids? And, and she's like, you know what, you just have to suck eggs. And it's not yeah, the response that's right. I wanted. <laughs> but that's the way it is. Very true. Now, we've got lots more time. So I'm going to go back a bit more to behind the brands and what not, not so much how the structure is, but how did you actually grow it? So you, you had this great idea of having these peer-to-peer -peer group. How did you even get the word out? In fact, that's a great question to ask a marketer. Yes. How did you get the word out? <laughs> well, one of my key things is building my mailing list. Right. So I can say that, you know, my leading metric is my mailing list. So any program that I have, 85% of participants will come from my mailing list. So I made sure very early on that I was, I was growing that and nurturing that. Um, so how did you do that? 
Um, offering free masterclasses, so, you know, lead magnets, freebies. Every month we have free masterclasses for people to join that are hosted by a number of experts. We've also got, you know, PDF downloads that people can access. Um, And that's pretty much how I grew my mailing list. And I also did, you know, social media advertising for the peer-to-peer group. So we've got four of those running at the moment. Right. um, Across sort of here and in Ballarat, which is great. So what, what's the little Ballarat cluster as well? I'm well, really interested that you go Perth and Ballarat. Yeah, I know. It's a weird one, right? It is. So it's actually one of my friends over here. She was my mentor, Nicole Ashby, and she went back to Ballarat because that's where she's from. And so ah. she said, why don't we, you know, start trying to do stuff for behind the brands here? So she's an ambassador over there and she facilitates the peer-to-peer and hosts the events and has sort of grown that little Ballarat cluster for me, which is fantastic. That's amazing. So talk to me about the ambassadors. I love this idea that you've got other women out there sort of seeding it out there. So firstly, how do you find them? As in, do you nominate somebody who's just been a big fan of yours? And then what do you get them to do? Well, my very first ambassador was my biz bestie, Grace Magabe, and I just thought she would be a natural fit because she's successful in business and she was you know passionate about women in business and helping them and everything that behind the brands was doing so I've only got three ambassadors so I kind of keep just a a couple of them Um, and they've actually been all been women that I know and have worked with and have supported me along the way and when I've asked them they've jumped at the opportunity to do it so you know, they're there to help host events and obviously to tap into their network. Um, but then also from my perspective, I'm there to, you know, promote them and have them host workshops and do whatever I can for their business as well. Yeah, great idea. And then what do you do with social? So I heard you had ads, but bearing in mind, I guess, that you're looking for the more successful female entrepreneurs. Are you using a lot of LinkedIn? Um, I do a little bit of LinkedIn and surprisingly, it's probably only been the past eight months where social has been my biggest driver of traffic. Before that, it was sort of organic and LinkedIn is coming up, but a lot of it is actually Facebook still. Yeah, interesting because of the women, I guess. And the other one that I'm not on at all, I don't know whether you are, is Instagram. I mean, I'm on it, but I'm very, very bad at it. But I know that a lot of the women are in there, particularly um, retail and the product kind of end of town. Yeah, look, I am on Instagram. Um, It's not where I get business from because, again, it's I guess it's not the type of businesses that I'm after. We're not really after sort of startups or hobby businesses and things like that. And I do tend to find when women become more successful in business or in the, the growth and the scale phase, you know, it is more the LinkedIn and the Facebook that they're doing. Or, yep. you know, some of them aren't even on social media. So it actually has been quite tricky to find the right women because I found these ones aren't out there shouting from the rooftops. They're just they head down, thumb think, up. I, I agree. I actually don't think that a lot of women who are successful in their business feel that there is anywhere that they can go. And I mean, Certainly with She's the Boss and I'm guessing with um, Behind the Brands, it's that opportunity to talk to other people about the issues that you've got when you are big and you have a big following. So you can't really show your weakness 
in your following or you don't like to in the same way and you can't ask the questions of your people because you know they they want to see you as sort of knowing everything so it's a it's a delicate dance i think and and i i do think that there's a, a gaping hole for women like that women you know women who are successful so Tell me a bit about some of the pivotal moments that you've had. I normally say to people the successes and the and the challenges. I used to say failures. I've moved on to challenges. And then I thought, you don't actually learn a lot from your successes other than how to celebrate. So it's nearly always when something fucks up that you go, right, what am I going to do now? And it takes you in another direction. So can you have you got any of those that you can think of that you could share with us? Yeah, look, I definitely think the business partner was a pivotal moment, one for me. And also, you know, reaching that burnout phase and deciding to close gloss marketing. Um, and that's something that my family and I, we went on a holiday to Bali and I thought, I want to be able to enjoy this holiday and not have clients contact me. And it was, it was a real, it was a challenge for me because I was going to lose a big amount of income by... Yeah. And prestige, there must be to an extent you've got to think about, I'm known for running this business. How's it going to affect how people think of me? Oh, look, definitely. And, you know, at the time I was doing a lot of media like radio and writing articles on marketing and, you know, TV and things like that. And once I sort of stepped away from that, it stopped. Um, So, you know, that's an ego thing, right? (laughs) (laughs) And, of course, you're speaking to the wrong person because I'd go, off you go, go and do it for yourself now, even easier. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yes, I know. <laughs> um, so that, and just navigating back a startup again I was difficult and especially coming in and, and having a baby and one of my biggest, another one of being my challenges is I've had the worst pregnancy. Um, oh, this- that, that's just the absolute nightmare. If you are going to have a baby when you're trying to run a business, yeah. you want it to be smooth sailing. So what's happened? It was, it, you know, it was and... You know, I was very, I had been very open about this with my community and my second child is an IVF baby and um, took us two, well, I only had one round of IVF, which we were very lucky. Um, very lucky. Yeah, A very, very lucky. special baby. But the whole process is just horrendous. And whatever complication there is, was I got. And my whole pregnancy, I vomited every day. You know, I oh, had a God. a. a bleed at 16 weeks, which was horrible. I just felt awful, tired, and I'm trying to run a business um, as well. So that was a a super big Well, how were you when the baby was born as well? Because that's really, I mean, I go into, I've I've got twins and an 18-year-old, but I still remember it. I still remember going into that spiral as my milk was coming in and thinking, oh my God, it's the end of the world. And (laughs) (laughs) And having had all those complications and then the baby's out and then you've got to go and you're obviously thinking about the business and money and all that sort of thing. How, How was that first two or three weeks? Um, it was a lot of crying. You know, throw in the pandemic as well. Oh was, God, yes, yeah, I didn't think it was that. difficult because I, I, you know, I had to be there for my members, and people say, "Oh, you, you didn't take time off," and it's like, "But what am I going to do? It's my business. There's other businesses that are relying on me to be there, supporting, and unfortunately, with um, my son as well, I after nine hours of labour, I ended up having to have a C-section, which threw everything out the window. Oh, Megan, it's just like they threw everything at you, didn't they, um, and punched you while you were down. But <laughs> do you know what? 
he's the best baby. So it's like you owe me and he is so <laughs> chilled and he sleeps and he's just the best baby. So I got oh, that. Oh, that's so good. And, you know, I, my husband took six weeks off, which was great. Um, but sort of when he went back to work and school still wasn't back and, and trying to manage that and I'm just, you know, I'm like you, I'm a go-getter. I want to do things. I want to do them now. When people tell me, do it in a five-year plan, I'm like, no, I want it now. Why can't I do it now? <laughs> Five-week plan. There has to be a better way. Um, you know, and I, it made me really aware too how geared careers and businesses are towards men. My husband was asking his workplace for paternity leave. They only had it for women or for men that were adopting. And he's like, but why can't I have paternity leave? I want to bond with my child. My wife has a business and it's just not flexible for women at all. And we quite often have higher earning potentials in business, but we are held back because we're the primary carers. um, Our husbands are the breadwinners and it leaves us very little time to do these things. And that's something I struggle with to this day. As well, uh, look, I, I I know exactly what you mean, and I think the other thing that no one talks about, we talk about having your husband as the carer, which my husband did as well at the time. But actually, there's there was that bit of me that goes, I want to be doing that. Yeah, you know, it's all well and good that you're prepared to do it, but I want to be able to do it. Yes. So it is a real kind of dilemma that you have around it is, all of that, I guess, isn't it? Because you know, on the other hand, I think I'm so lucky I can take my daughter to work. I get to spend all this time with my son. It's, it is. It's just finding that balance if it exists and, and doing what's right. Yeah, which we, well, that leads me perfectly into my next question, which is how do you juggle work and life? Are you actually setting aside hours for work or what sort of hours are you working per week? Yeah, I do. So Tuesdays my son goes to his nonna's and my husband okay, picks him great. up after work and my husband does a nine-day fortnight, so he generally has every second Friday off. So I have that day. And other than that, I'm just getting things done when he's asleep or I try and wake up, you know, an hour, an hour and a half earlier than everyone and and fit it in there. Oh, my God, you really are a superwoman. Now, here's a funny question and it doesn't um, – you don't have to answer it if you can't think of anything, but is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be prepared to share? I've had some absolute doozies. Really? (laughs) Well, there's two. I'm I'm afraid of birds. You're afraid of birds. I hate birds. Yes. Why did you see the bird? Have you ever seen that Hitchcock movie, The Birds? Was it no, anything to do with that? I just, it's something about their feathers. Like I just they Ooh. freak me out. So how do you cope? Like what do you do with birds everywhere? That's why I've got kids no. <laughs> to put them in front of me. No, no, no. <laughs> Go out with an umbrella. Exactly. No, I just hate birds. Um, and the other thing was I used to be a competitive ice skater in, up until my early 20s. Oh, my God, that's gold. See, these are the things I love asking this question. A competitive ice skater, to what level? Um, well, I did like state championships and, and things like that and won a couple of state championships and then had to retire and now I have arthritis in my back from it. Oh, my God, really? Yeah. Oh, but what, that's amazing though, ice skating. So do you ever ice skate now or you can't because of your back? No, no, I can't. And your children? I've never <laughs> been back life? to an ice rink. <laughs> oh, wow. That's a really good one. That's a really good one. Okay, now we just get on to I'm obsessed with my phone and apps and I don't know that everybody is the same as me, but I still like to uh, ask the question. 
Um, do you use, well, I should say first, are you an app person? I have a ton of apps. Oh, brilliant. I'm the same. So what are your two most useful for business outside of banking and social? Um, probably Asana. Oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yep. So I really like to use Asana. And then my other one would be Box. So what's Box? Box is my server. I guess it's similar to Dropbox and that's where all my files and everything are so I can access everything from my phone. Right. Yeah, I do that. I have G Drive on mine and do everything that way. Okay. And then if you are into your phone, do you have any games as well? I do. I really like, I really like doing solitaire and like Tetris. (laughs) <laughs> I do Candy Crush, which is pretty much Tetris, I think. Yeah. And um, I'm sad to say I'm up to level 3,600 and something. So <laughs> if you get bored with Tetris and the other really good thing about Candy Crush, even though it's incredibly addictive, is that it kicks you out after five goes. Uh-huh. So you can't sit on it for hours and hours and hours. You've got to stop and give it a two-hour break before it'll re-give you another five goes. I'll have to get onto it. It's probably the only thing that saved my life. My kids are so disgusted that I do it, though. They're like, Mum, oh, my God, that's so uncool. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> well, Megan, I, honestly, I love everything you're doing for brands behind uh, behind the brands, sorry, and, we, and I would encourage anyone that's listening to go and sign up because it sounds amazing. In fact, I think I'm going to go and sign up myself because I like all the idea of the business stuff, which is not really so much what I do. I'm much more about sort of ideas and stuff. Um, And I reckon there's some stuff that we might be able to do together in the future. But I absolutely love hearing your story and I love what you're doing. And I'm a million percent behind it. And um, when we post up this podcast, we'll have to put some links out for Behind the Brand so that people can easily sign up for it. Definitely. Thank you. My absolute pleasure. Love what you're doing. Keep up the good work. Thank you. Thanks for having me. I hope you've enjoyed this She's the Boss chat episode. It was great to have you here. If you want to stay in touch, you might also like some of the other things that we've got going on with She's the Boss. Firstly, I've got the She's the Boss show, which is on Ticker TV. Now, you can watch that either on tickertv.com.au or you can download the Ticker app from any of the app stores. So Apple and Android, and they've got an app that is for your phone, for your iPad or tablet, and for the smart TV. Or you could join us for our free Zoom lunches for female founders that we hold online. The best way to do any of these things really is go to she'stheboss.com.au and on there you can register for the lunches and I've also got links to the website. So either way, I hope you've enjoyed it. I'm really enjoying digging down and getting down to the nitty gritty with these women and I hope you'll join me for the next episode.